Have a full praise team up here. I think we're praise don't God. know we're missing Spy Layman, huh? That's right. And he's and out. Robin. He's out on a boat, mm -hmm. yes. uh, enjoying the the ocean or something, just sailing around, having fun like you Navy guys do, gals do. Yeah. So, so, but this is a great. Way. We're just glad to have everybody back in town. Everybody healthy. Everybody singing so well and taking us to the throne of grace. So let's go to him in a word of prayer together right now. Our Father, we bow our heads in your presence. We close our eyes that we might focus upon you, the everlasting God, the one who's always there. Father, your promises are only as good as you are around. And the word of God teaches us that you will always be around. You always have been, and you are now, and you always will be. So we thank you for that. We ask you, Lord, to bless our time together this morning. May you open up the word of God that we'd have eyes to see your truths. And Father, that we'd take action where we need to, as the Holy Spirit prompts us. Forgive us of our sins and bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Would you shake hands with someone next to you or give them an elbow or a fist bump or something? Thank you. you. May be seated. Um, I just want to let everybody know that uh, Friday we had an incredible service here for Monica's dear mom, and we have never set up so many chairs in this auditorium in the seven years that I've been here. It was this place was absolutely packed out, and uh, we thank God for that. And uh, in the invitation, I give a message. I always give a, an invitation. I ask for people to. Make a commitment to the Lord to receive him as the personal Lord and Savior. Monica, I, don't, I didn't tell you this, but there were at least 20 hands that went up all over the auditorium. At least that many. I mean, that's, there may be more than that. And some of the family, too. So thankful for that. Be praying that they find a good church. They start uh, growing in the Lord and, uh, and continuing to serve him. So that was incredible. Then yesterday, we had our men's breakfast, and we had uh, missionaries from Ukraine, and they showed some of the slides of the devastation back there and the great need that's there. Uh, so be praying for them. We gave them a check uh, for the remaining funds that we actually, more than what the remaining funds we had for the Ukraine. Uh, I believe um, there was 850 or $60. We gave them a check for $1,000 to help toward the repairs on their uh, house, which was hit by a missile. So it needs a little bit of help. Uh, and I, I wanna mention this, that you've, if you've been watching the news, Eastern Kentucky, has been slammed with uh, floods, and uh, a lot of people have lost everything, and it's still raining in some of the places where uh, the floods have occurred. So uh, I, I didn't get the offering plates out and all that, but if you want to have a special part in that, it seems like one crisis after another, one catastrophe after another. I told Pat the other day, well, we've got drought, and, and we've got pestilence. All we need now is famine and war, and we'll be right in the book of Revelation there. So, uh, but uh, the flood, I forgot about flood. So they're experiencing that. So if you want to give a special offering, I commit to you that every dime that we receive uh, that's marked uh, either on an envelope or on the check for Kentucky relief or for flood relief will go there. And you can drop it in the offering box in the back beside the double doors, to the left of the double doors. If you'd like to do that over the next week or two, we will send that on. If you're a first-time guest here, I'd ask you to do us a favor and fill out one of these. These are in the seat back in front of you. Uh, and then if you have, if you need information about becoming a follower of Christ or becoming a member of the church or small groups or uh, serving some way, serving the Lord through the church here, uh, if you want to be, know about women's ministry or men's ministry, whatever, uh, take this and take a few moments. If you have a prayer request, you can fill that out and turn that in also in the offering box. And thank you so much for coming to be part of us here today. I uh, want to say that um, we're going to be having observing Holy Communion 
at the end of the service. So, uh, and, and the words of the exhortation uh, found in scriptures, let every man examine himself, every person examine their own hearts. If there's anything between you and the Lord, if there's anything between us and somebody else, um, make it right, right now. Confess it to God before you take communion. Uh, co covenant with God to get a hold of that person and either forgive them or ask forgiveness. Uh, and uh, go ahead and commune. The, the purpose is of examining ourselves is not to say, well, I, I can't stand old so-and-so. I'm going to not take communion today. That's not, that's not the reasoning behind it. Uh, Paul says to examine our hearts so that we can deal with sin. And I've told you many times, I love the fact we can judge sin in our own lives. And when we do, God doesn't have to. And so we, we save ourselves a lot of heartache and a lot of heartbreak. So uh, go ahead and take care of that. Military meal, you will have your meal today. It'll be on the patio after the service. So all of you in the military who would like uh, lunch, stick around, and they'll take care of that. Check the bulletin for Bible studies held throughout the week. Next Sunday, Jehovah el Hokeka, the Lord thy God, and Jehovah Elohe, which is very much like it, but it's the Lord my God. And Baptism Sunday. So we're going to baptize next Sunday. So if you've received Christ as your personal Savior but never have been baptized by immersion, which means under the water, buried with him by baptism, raised in the likeness of his resurrection, uh, if you would like to do that, please let Julie know or let me know this week early on so we can make plans. Uh, we have some shirts we'd provide for you, but uh, wear clothing that you can get wet or change into and then towels and uh, we'll take care of that right here uh, after the service next Sunday morning. Marriage conference, we have a video. Can we show that short video right now again? And tomorrow is the deadline, so you need to register to today. Hello, Fred and Kirsten here from Dwelling Place Ministries. We are so excited to join you at Unified Couples Conference there in San Diego. Our goal is to encourage Christ-centered, healthy, sustainable growth and Christian maturity in couples. We know you will enjoy your time as we investigate God's Word and, with humor, build a better understanding of what it is to be unified in our marriages. Because of our God-designed differences, we have an incredible opportunity in our marriages to reflect some of God's amazing characteristics to the world around us. What better platform to learn and practice his grace and forgiveness than in the bond of a loving relationship? Dwelling Place Ministries offers several services, but our absolute favorites are to share God's word during unified couples getaways and conferences. We are so excited to be at First Baptist Church on August 27th to share and fellowship with you. So please join us for our August conference where we'll be having a great time making marriage matter, Saturday, August 27th from eight to four. Please visit with David and Michelle if you have any questions or to learn how to sign up. And David and Michelle will be outside double doors. Tomorrow is the deadline so that they can order the materials you'll need and have it here for that seminar. Did you hear the dog? Yeah, I, th I, 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 thought, I thought Bobby was going to go check on the dog, but I guess he was just <laughs> coming back. Yes, sir, we have a question. Is there child care for that? There is not child care for that. I'm sorry. Sorry to say. It we figured it was such a long day, it would be difficult to keep the kids occupied for that long. But it'll be a tremendously profitable time. So everybody who can, please come to that. Also want to share with you, rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. Let thine heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. But know you that for all these, all these things, God will bring you into judgment, Ecclesiastes eleven nine. When one reaches maturity, and finally old age, he will almost inevitably find himself recalling wistfully the days of his youth. Often there will be feelings of regret for wasted opportunities, and sinful living, and he would urge young people not to make the same mistakes that he made. Unfortunately, most young people tend to listen to their peers more so than to their seniors. And as the old cliche has it, too soon old, too late smart. So the cycle continues generation after generation. There have been many godly exceptions, of course, such as Mary, the mother of our Lord, Daniel, uh, and, and Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, uh, Timothy, and some others, uh, some today as well. 
One of the missionaries that was here yesterday was a young lady from the Ukraine named Tanya, and her father is a great believer, and she was able to trust Christ because of her father. Her mother is not a believer, so she's praying, asking for prayer for her. But there's a young lady who is serving the Lord. And there are those who take a strong stand and witness for God and his word all their lives. As our text written by King Solomon in his old age indicates, youth can and should be a time of real joy, but the best joy is the joy of the Lord. I've told people for years, I can have as much fun as any lost person can have and wake up the next day and remember it. (laughs) And wake up at home and know where I am and who I'm waking up with. And all of that. And I'm going to tell you something. You serving God is everything. Now, as as I do get older, I got to tell you, I forget more stuff than than I used to remember. But anyhow, uh, joy is the true pleasure of happiness. And it's so much better than just having fun, having true joy that God gives to us. Our text confirms the judgment day is coming. The misdeeds of youth will be judged along with the rest. Especially good advice was given by Solomon in his next two verses. Therefore... Remove sorrow from your heart, put away evil from your flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh. Paul advised young Timothy, let no one despise, no man despise thy youth, and be an example of the believers in word, conversation, charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Words that we need to take to heart. And my desire is that all of you people who are young, and if you are like, you know, 40 or below, you are young. If you are 20 or to, up to 25, 25 or 30, you are embryos. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just telling it the way it is. <clears throat> so so I, I want to listen. Listen to what Ryan teaches you in the Navigators uh, Bible studies. Listen to what David teaches in the class and John teaches. And listen to what your preacher says and avoid, you can avoid some of the pitfalls of growing up if you listen to people who have been there, done that, and have advice from the Word of God. So hope you'll take it to heart. God bless you. Let's stand together as we continue to worship our Lord and Savior.
Okay, can you say amen to that? Amen. Holy is the Lord. Thank you so much, praise team. We appreciate. Hey, new guitar player. I, what was your name, sir? Bo. We have a bow and a bow. <laughs> bow bros. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Bo, for, for coming up and for playing along with the, the praise team. All right, let me see here. I want to ask the kiddos that are here, uh, while everybody else turns to Exodus chapter 6, verse 3, I want to ask the boys and girls, <clears throat> First Baptist Church, come on down here to the front for just a moment. Got a little uh, something I want to share with you and talk to you about. So, boys and girls, come on down. We, we only had four last week, huh? I don't know where everybody was. Holy cow. But we got a good group today, so they're still coming on down. And I'm going to ask you all a question. So, everybody got your thinking caps on? Put your thinking caps on. Shake them out. Put your thinking. There's your thinking cap right there. Yeah. All right. So, I'm going to ask you a question. How long have you been on this earth? Me. How long? Twenty years. That's amazing. I heard this is your birthday. I'm four. She's four. And she's been on earth 20 years. What an accomplishment. High five. All right. How many years? How many years you been on the earth? Nine years. How many years you been on the earth? Eight years. Six years. Not sure? How old are you? You're five years you've been. How long? Seven? Ten. I know, you've been on four years. Guess how long your preacher's been on the earth? You forgot me. Huh? Oh, I forgot you. How long have you been on the earth? Four? Four? Four fifty years. I could only remember those days. I've been on the earth 75 years, seven months, and 21 days. Yeah, that's 27,628 days altogether. But Mr. Chuck Sealer <laughs> landed with the ark right over here at the, at the ark landing in Coronado. So let me ask you another question, boys and girls. Let me ask you a question. How long has God been God? How long? Forever. Forever. That's exactly right. Forever and ever and ever. Oh, is God still God? And he's always been God? Yeah. Is all God always going to be God? Yeah. What about 100 years from now? Will he still be God? Yeah. What about 1,000 years? Yeah. What about a million years? Yeah. What about, well, we could go on like that for a long time. You know what? The Bible says that Abraham, Abraham planted a small shrub at Beersheba, a place called Beersheba, and there you worship the Lord, the eternal God, God who has always been God, God who always will be God, is our God. And so he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and no matter how much things change, God always stays the same. So trust him always, okay? Will you do that? Huh? Thank you. Father, we pray your blessings upon the kids today, and God, be with our teachers. Help them to realize that we may have a great missionary in one of our classes today that are taught. We may have a great pastor, or a great pastor's wife, or maybe some layman who will really serve you in a, in a mighty way. So God, I pray that we would pour into these young lives as we would any adult and every adult. We pray that we'd invest in them and that you'd use them for your honor and glory we prayed in Jesus' name, and all the kids said, all the kids said, Amen. that's it, that's it. All right, you can go to your classes. The middle school is going to their classes, and I'm, I'm here to tell you the middle schoolers are having waffles in your class today. You have to be the right age. Do not, I don't want to see any adults, I don't want to see any you Navy guys peeling out of here for waffles, all right? You, long time, yes, sir. Up to ninth grade, six, is it sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth? Seventh, eighth, ninth. Okay, middle school, go ahead and go to your class on the patio. All right. The name of God we're going to study today is not a very commonly used one in the Bible, uh, but it's a very important and significant one, and the songs that we sang today go right along with the truth that's involved with this name, El Olam, El Olam. It reveals an essential aspect of the divine character of Almighty God. The name El Olam extends beyond our furthest vision 
And, and, and it does so whether we look backwards or forwards. Have you ever heard of the infinity mirror? Huh? When mirrors are opposing each other, uh, it looks like they go forever in either direction. Whether you look to the left or look to the right, if, if you have mirrors on either side of you, the, the image just keeps going, keeps going, keeps going, keeps going, and it gets down to infinity. It just keeps on going. Theoretically, it would. And that's kind of the way El Olam is. El Olam is God all the way back as far as you can see and much further, like forever. And God is God all the way in the future and as far further than you can ever imagine all the way in the future. Uh, that is El Olam. So the meaning of El Olam, first of all, it means the God of eternity. Oftentimes in the King James translation, which is one I use a lot, um, and that one it talks about the everlasting God. So whether you're saying the eternal God or the everlasting God, we're talking about an eternal being who had no beginning, has no end, and is present with us right now. Now the, the L part of El Olam we've studied before. And that means God, it means the omnipotent God. It's often combined with other names or other parts of names. For example, Elohim, a plural noun, remember that, uh, which has contained in the idea of, uh, of a plural God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, has the idea of the Trinity uh, by virtue of the fact there's one God, three persons, three manifestations. Uh, so El Elohim, there's El Elyon and El Shaddai, remember that? Uh, we studied not too long ago. And in Hebrew scriptures, it always El always refers to Jehovah God. And to Moses, God said in Exodus 6, 3, I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God, which is El. That name is found 213 times in the Old Testament. God Almighty, Shaddai, the Almighty One or the All-Sufficient One, but by the name Jehovah or Yahweh or Yehovah, a self-existent one, was I not known to them. Now, if you've not been here for that whole study, uh, I'm sure all that's kind of like, uh, but we've studied each one of those names and they are archived, the messages are. So if you get a chance, go back and check them out. Um, maybe it would make more sense that way. Now, the name El is God Almighty. The name Olam is everlasting. The, the word Olam is found 439 times in the Bible, and the meaning of it is of long duration, uh, and specifically forever, which is of long duration, and everlasting and perpetual and, and always and continuous existence and so on. So it means the God who forever will be God and the God who forever was God. Now, C.I. Schofield's notes on Genesis 21:33 says the Hebrew name Olam is used of secret or hidden things, and it speaks of indefinite times or ages, and it speaks of eternal duration of the being of God. So when you combine those thoughts, uh, Schofield says, thus El Olam is things kept secret and of indefinite duration combined in a very special name of God from everlasting to everlasting. Now, one of the things we studied about the names of God is the, the law of the first use. So it's always good to know where first a doctrine was taught in the Word of God or where first a specific name was used uh, in the Word of God. And that would be in Genesis chapter 21, verse 33, for um, El Olam. And Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned in the Philistines' land many days. Now, there's a backstory to this, uh, and it's heavy with spiritual significance. In Genesis chapter 20, before this verse where he discovers God as the everlasting God, before that, uh, he, he explains to Abimelech his, um, his stage in life, his, his status in life, and he felt like one who had gone astray. Uh, in fact, in verse 13 uh, of Genesis 20, he said, God caused me to wander from my father's house. You remember God called Abram, before he was renamed Abraham, called Abram um, out of the Ur of the Chaldees, a university city, literally, a, a, a city of great learning and education, and he called him out of that. And so as Abram left Ur of Chaldees, uh, he, he felt like he was going astray. He felt like he was wandering so much so that, that, that God has caused me to wander from my father's house. It's a strong term to wander. And he used to, uses it to describe what errant sheep do. They go astray. They lose their way. 
And the psalmist said, I have gone astray like lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. Uh, Isaiah said it this way, all of us like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to their own way. And that's what happens with us in this crazy world. Uh, this world is, is not all sweet pasture land, lush green grass, beautiful, clear, freshwater streams, uh, puffy clouds in the air and birds tweeting and, you know, perfect temperature of 72 degrees. It's not always like that. Sometimes we, we wander through. Sometimes we make the wrong turn. Sometimes we make a wrong decision. <clears throat> and we feel like we're, we're like a sheep that has gone astray. We've wandered off the right path. We're not where we ought to be. We're not doing what we ought to do. That happens to all of us, I'm sure. And so as a shepherd himself, Abraham had to go and seek out sheep that had strayed away. And, and you, you remember we studied about the shepherd psalm, how that the shepherd knows his sheep and the sheep know the shepherd. And so when they wander off, uh, he, would, he would take account, he would figure out who was missing. And then the shepherd, the good shepherd would go after them and find those that had strayed. So in Genesis 30, Abraham is feeling like one of those lost sheep wandering around in the wilderness, coming from, it'd be like, you know, living in San Diego, um, all your life, born here, raised here, went to school here, all of that, and then all of a sudden you go to what we're talking about, Kentucky, uh, uh, Horse Branch, Kentucky. Has anybody heard of Horse Branch, Kentucky? You have. All right, Pat. That's where my dad was born, Horse Branch, Kentucky. My mom was born in Horse Cave, Kentucky. When they got their marriage license, they had a lot of fun with that. So, but if, if you had to suddenly be transported to Horse Branch, Kentucky, uh, I think half of you would go insane in about a week. It's just, uh, you know, there's like population 13, uh, and, you know, 12 of them are in the cemetery type thing. It's just not a real big, not a real big town. So Abram is feeling like I'm taken out of Ur of Chaldees. I've taken away from everything I knew. Uh, took a, I've taken away from my father's household, from everybody who was important to me. Everybody was related. And now I'm wandering out here like a sheep that's gone astray. So finally he gets to a place called Beersheba. And Abimelech had herdsmen. Abimelech was a very powerful man. And these herdsmen tried to drive him off. Because wells were, in these days, very important. Wells are very important in the arid Middle East, uh, as they are anywhere, really. Uh, one of the problems in eastern Kentucky right now is not that there's not water available. It's just that it's polluted, and the well water is polluted, and the, and the flood waters are polluted. Uh, so, so water is vital. You, you have to have it to live. And so these herdsmen not only had to have it for themselves, they had to have it for their flocks. And so um, these Abimelech's herdsmen tried to drive him away, tried to uh, make him wander away, stray away from where he was. And Abraham, at that moment in time, realized how rootless he really was, realized he didn't have an anchor. He had nothing to hold on to. He was going from place to place, and it seemed like he flitted from place to place because when we first read about him in Genesis chapter 11, verse 31, he went from Ur of Chaldees to a place called Haran. Now, in my Bible, it has a note there. It says that these years were the wasted years of incomplete obedience. We were talking about that this morning, Jim. Uh, the, the wasted years of incom uh, incomplete obedience. In our youth, some of us, uh, most of us, many of us perhaps, uh, wasted time. We didn't serve God when we could have. We, we kind of put it on a back burner. We kind of said, you know what, one day, you guys that are 25 years old, you say, you know, one day when I'm old, like 35, then I'll start serving God. Then I'll, then I'll put him for it. Right now, I'm young. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to sell. I'm going to have parties. I'm, I'm going to, and so we waste lives. Now, now, what Abram did that was considered wasting was that he didn't have complete obedience to what God said because God said, get away from your entire family. And he took Lot with him and he took others with him on this, this journey that he was on. So, so there was part of it there. He, he went to Haran. And then from Haran, he went to Shechem in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 5. And this was a good thing. This was a place of worship and communion with God. As he got away from God and, and was not completely obedient, uh, God got a hold of his heart. And so he came to a place in his life where he came back to him. That's kind of like rededication. 
That's kind of like when we, when we realize, I've messed up. I've, I've not done what I should do. I've not been where I ought to be. I've not said what I ought to say. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get right with God. I'm going to make things right. And so he begins fellowshipping and, and growing in the Lord. Then he goes from Shechem to Bethel. That was even better. Bethel being the house of God. And so he grew closer. He, he, he became more of a disciple. He, he learned what his responsibilities were. He fulfilled his responsibilities. But then, oh, God, he goes from Bethel to Egypt in Genesis 12, 10. He goes right back to the world. In a trial, Abraham forsakes the place of blessing. He leaves Bethel, the house of God, and goes to Egypt, which is a symbol <coughs> and a sign of the world. But in Genesis 13, 3, he goes from Egypt back to Bethel. He goes back to the house of God. There he's repenting again. <clears throat> you know what? I don't care how many times you've re rededicated your life. If you're away from God, rededicate your life today. Don't, don't just keep wandering. Don't keep going in the same direction. If you're not on the path God has called you to, if you're not on the path God wants you on, then come back. To, I would rather repent a hundred times and be in the will of God than to think, well, you know, I don't want to try. I don't want to test God. I've already repented 50 times, 60 times. I, I, I'm just going to not lay low here and see how things work out. They're not going to work out, I promise you. Then he goes from Bethel to Hebron. He, and Abraham there receives a new covenant. The land is promised to him, the land of Canaan, the nation. But it's not yet, it's not yet uh, a great nation, but it will be. And, and, and the posterity are promised to him. Here he is. <clears throat> At this point in time, I would have to check, probably 90 years old in Genesis 13. You're going to have a lot. Your, your offspring are going to be like the numbers of the, of the grains of sand by the seashore. Abram's thinking, Right. I'm like 90 years old. How's that going to How's that going to work? <clears throat> but he's get, he's got the promise from God, this new covenant. So he goes from from uh, Hebron then to Gerar in Genesis 20 verse 1. That's where we find him today. Uh, and and there's another lapse here because he's afraid. He, he becomes afraid. Uh, Abimelech sees Sarah and he says, uh, "Man, hubba hubba, what a chick. I want her." Or something like that. <clears throat> and and so Abram says, oh, that's fine. She's my sister. Go ahead and take her. I mean, great man of God, great man of faith. My wife would love that if I said something like that. She would absolutely love that, I'm sure. Uh, and so he, he's backsliding in, didn't take a stand. Fear overcomes him. And he tells, well, she was a half-sister. So he's kind of, you ever justify? You ever justify your, your sin? I can do that really well. And that's not a good character quality to be able to justify my sin. But I can do it pretty well, but I can't fool God ever. He knows when I'm doing it. <clears throat> so I, I wonder if your, your life ever felt like Abraham's? Has it ever felt chaotic? Has it ever felt like, you know what, I, I, I get on the right path and it seems like I can't stay there. I wander off and pretty soon I'm off one way or the other and, and I battle this all the time. I, I move around like shifting sands. Uh, have you found your purpose? I thank God that God revealed to me my purpose. And, and I say this, <clears throat> when, I was, when I was a sophomore in college, and I told you not too long ago, but as a sophomore in college, that's when God called me to surrender my life. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know what I was going to be doing. I had no idea. <clears throat> but the beauty of surrender is when we say to God, God, here I am. You do whatever you want to in my life. I am yours. And so I surrendered my life, finished up that semester of school in secular college, then went on to Bible college from that point. And we got ready to graduate. I said, we'll, we'll do whatever you want us to do, Lord. We'll go wherever you want us to go. If you want us to be foreign missionaries, we'll go. If you want us to teach in a Christian school, we'll do that. If you want us to pastor a church, if you want us to be youth pastor, whatever it is. And God revealed his will toward us. And I, I am so glad that God gave me the assurance of purpose in life. And, and if you're looking for purpose, you got to, first of all, surrender completely to God. You got to say, here I am. I am the clay, Lord. You can make me into whatever you want me to be. Don't put limitations. Well, I'll, I'll serve you as long as. I'll serve you 
if. I'll do this or that, but not this other thing. Don't, don't put those limitations on. Find your purpose and, and, and do it to the best of your ability because God has a plan and a calling for your life. Not just for me. He has a plan and a calling for your life. Figure out what it is. Find your Beersheba. Now, first of all, this has nothing to do with beer. Some of, you, some of you sailors are going, hi, Beersheba, I can, dig, I can dig Beersheba. No, it has nothing to do. It means well of oath, the well of the oath. So remember, there's a water well here, okay? There's a water well, and, and Abimelech's herdsmen are trying to run Abram off away from this place of blessing, this place of provision, and so this nomad uh, finds what he thinks is a good place to call home. God has led him to it. God gives him an oath there. And so here his restlessness and constant moving can stop for a while. Some of you military have to feel like that's a pain sometimes, having to move, having to pull up roots. You, you come in, you, you make friends in, in a neighborhood, you make friends in a church, you make friends where you're working. And, and then maybe a year and a half, two years later or something, maybe three you're all of a sudden uprooted and you go to some other uh, service, place of service and, and you become plugged in there and maybe after a little while you make friends there and, and, and then the same thing happens over and over in your careers. That's, that's got to be a little bit about what Abraham felt like. But in Beersheba, he found a place where God was blessing him. He found a place where God was giving him provision. He found a place that he could be comfortable and he could, be, he could serve God in. But the men of Gerard didn't agree, and they tried to run him off. Let me tell you something. You decide you're going to serve God. You decide you're going to be whatever he wants you to be, go where he wants you to go, do what he wants you to do, and the enemies will come out of the crevices and the, and, and the rocks. They will come after you. They will try to keep you from doing what God wants you to do. Satan doesn't care if you claim to be a Christian. Satan cares if you be a Christian if you live a Christian life. Satan cares when you try to influence others for the Lord. Satan cares when you're proactive. Satan cares, and he sends his emissaries. And I'm telling you, they're out there. They'll try to stop you in your tracks. We've got, uh, Jerry, you're gonna be running for school board and a couple other good people that we'll be introducing to you uh, in a while. And this race, this kind of race, these kind of races, local races are so critical. Right now in the libraries, in our library in Coronado, there are specific, very uh, graphic books on, on sexual matters aimed at kindergartners. A ki the only thing a kindergartner needs to know about girls, a guy needs to know about girls is they have cooties. That's all he needs to know about <laughs> in kindergarten. That's all. And they're teaching him, they're wanting to teach specifics about things I can't even say in mixed company. It's not appropriate to say. And they, spe they specify these things. So, so school boards, uh, and, and at least in the schools, maybe not in the public library, but in the schools can regulate and help regulate what kind of books are, are available and what kind of, uh, what kind of studies are presented to our, to our kids. So it's important. So, so you know what happened before uh, when, when uh, Stacy ran and, and some of the flax she took, I mean, they, they had to move out of state because of some of the threats and so on. So it's, it's a battle. It's a war. Abimelech's herdsmen are still around. They're waiting for you to do something. You do something for God, they're going to be all over you. They'll try to run you off. So... A new discovery was appropriate for Abraham at this point in time. He needed something. He needed that anchor. He needed that tent stake driven in deeply. And so he made that discovery in Genesis 21, 33. And, God, and Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba. And there called upon the name of the Lord Jehovah, the everlasting God, El Olam. And Abraham sojourned in the Philistines' land many days. This name, El Olam, this relationship, God, uh, eternal God, would ward off any further depressing senses of insecurity. I, I am... I am in the hand of almighty, everlasting God. The promises God gives us will be forever because he will be forever. 
the promises and guarantees that a president can make only are good so long as his party's in control or he's in control. When he dies, he has no say. Uh, same for any a dictator. Same for uh, a boss of a job that we have and we work in a secular world. Same thing. But when God Almighty says something, his word is good forever. That infinite as far as you can see in the past, as far as you can see in the future, and right now, he is always God. He was God, is God, always will be God. His promises are everlasting as well. So as God, his God, this El Olam, was without beginning, would never cease to be, would never get old. To God, eternity is the ever-present present. Now for us, that's not so. Our pilgrimage is ever-changing. People change. My wife's uh, uncle went home to be with the Lord and 96 years of age. Uh, and one of her favorite uncles. And so we were planning on seeing him again, as we always did when we got to Dallas this next September. But we won't be able to see him there, but we'll see him in heaven one day. People change, we change. My new favorite verse is Hebrews 12, 12. Take a look at it. So take a new grip with your tired hands and stand firm on your shaky legs. That's really in the word of God. <laughs> Hebrews 12, 12. Things change. Seasons of life change. <laughs> Laws change, but God never, ever, ever changes at all. El Olam is that eternal rock, that eternal God, the rock on which our faith can safely abide even in the midst of the mutability of mankind. Waiting on El Olam brings everlasting vitality to our lives. I, I got a bunch of preacher friends that retire and just you, you, don't serve God still. Don't, it's like, how does that work? I mean, you know, don't, don't go to church? Would you get caught up or stored up a bunch of, you know, days ahead of time so you can take off the rest of you? I get to preach. I love to preach. I told you, and you guys pay me to do it. I mean, it's amazing. It's, it's wonderful. Some of you didn't know that, but anyhow. How blessed we are. The eternal vitality to our lives, eternal strength to face the ever-changing world in which we live. How blessed we are to have El Olam as our everlasting God. With me, wheresoever I wonder, that great presence goes, that unutterable gladness, undisturbed repose, ever with me, glorious, awful, tender, passing sweet, one upon whose heart I rest me, worship at his feet. The significance of this name is amazing. In Isaiah 26, 4, trust you in the Lord forever, and in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Isaiah said, Thou, O Lord, art our Father, our Redeemer, thy name is from everlasting. Jeremiah said, The Lord is the true God, he's the living God and an everlasting king. The psalmist said, Even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. So my question to you this morning, is El Olam your foundation, your anchor? your stake driven in deeply? Do you know you have purpose? Are you in God's will for your life? Or do you feel like you're wandering and going astray and purposeless with no anchor? By the way, El Olam in the Old Testament is that God that never changes. In the New Testament, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Find eternal, everlasting meaning in life through him. Would you do me a favor and bow your heads? Our Father in heaven, we bow before you once again. So thankful, Lord, so thankful for Christ who died for our sins. So thankful that you are an everlasting God who has a purpose and a plan for our lives, even when things seem like they're falling apart, even when plans don't go as, as we envision them going. You are still everlasting God, and your promises are from everlasting to everlasting. So, Lord, if someone here 
feels like they're straying, God, bring them back. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you'd say, preacher, I feel like I'm kind of wandering. I'm, I'm straying right now. I need you to pray for me. Would you, with every head bowed, just raise your hand up and hold it up for just a moment. Let me pray for you right now. Hold it up high. Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm on the right path. Not sure I'm doing what I need to be doing. God bless you and you and you. Thank you. You can put your hands down to the elders. I won't embarrass you. I promise I won't say your name. I just want to pray for you right now. Father, for these, God willing to admit, they're kind of wandering right now. They need, they need you to be their anchor. They need you to be their El Olam. God, show them that you have purpose and a plan, that you love them so much. Lord, I pray for some who may be here this morning too who don't know you as their personal Savior and God. Maybe they have learned about you. Maybe they've gone through catechism. Maybe they've been even baptized. Maybe they've joined the church, but they really don't know you. They have religion, but not relationship. If that's the case, God, may they right now, in their own heart, in their own mind, may they receive you. You've said we've all sinned, come short of the glory of God. We're all going to pass away one day. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart, God has raised him from the dead, we can be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If that's what you're doing right now, if, you've, if you're praying, if you're calling upon God, if you're saying, God, I know I'm a sinner. Lord, I know I'm going to die one day. I want you to forgive me and be my Savior. I want to trust you right now. I want to receive you as my God and my Savior. If that's your prayer right now, every head bowed once again, raise your hands up, hold them up real high. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Are there others besides? Yes, God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Father, thank you for these. And Lord, I pray that this would be the beginning of a great, wonderful, precious new walk with you. God be their God. Show them the path upon which they should walk. Help them to trust you for everlasting salvation. Through Jesus Christ, your son, in whose name we pray, amen. Would you stand? The invitation is an opportunity for you to come and say, you know what? I want to receive Christ as my Savior. I want to be a member. I'd like to be baptized next week. Um, I, I want you to pray for me, preacher. You don't have to tell me what it's about if you don't want to. But whatever God's will is for you right now, you need to act on it. Do whatever God wants you to do. We're going to sing just a couple of verses because we're going to have communion in just a moment. But as we sing, you come and do what God wants you to do right now. If you need to get the elements, the unleavened bread and the, the cup, if you need that right now, uh, we have folks down here in the front and in the back. Would you just raise your hand right where you are, and they'll get them to you as expeditiously as they possibly can. One of the very last things that our Savior did in this earth, 
on this earth before his crucifixion was to meet with his disciples in the upper room. After a little while, he dismissed Judas and what remained were the 11 disciples and Christ. At that Passover table were several different items. There was the salt, there was the water, there was the the cup, the fruit of the vine, there was the unleavened bread, there was the lamb, all things, the bitter herbs, all things part of the Passover feast. But he chose two specifically as a memorial to him. It's significant, isn't it, that Jesus commands us to remember his death, not his birth, but his death, because it was his death and resurrection that secured our eternal salvation by grace through faith in him. Paul repeats the words of our Savior when he says, I've received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus in the same night which he was betrayed took bread. And I'd like for us to give thanks for the bread. Rachel, are you in the back? Is she here? No? Gary, are you back there? Would you lead us in prayer and ask God to bless the bread? When he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, the Bible says he took the cup, the cup of the fruit of the vine, and they gave thanks for that. Pat, would you mind giving thanks for the cup? The Bible says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come again. He said, this is the blood of my New Testament. Do it in remembrance of me. As a show of unity in the church body, I'd like for us to stand as much as possible, if you're willing to join hands with those around you. If you are not willing, that's okay. Um, But let's, as a sign of unity, sing together the chorus Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. thinking about receiving Christ as your personal Savior and did so today, uh, next to the sound booth on the table, there's some blue plastic bags with some literature. Please take that. If we can be of any help to you, let us know. May God richly bless you today. Thanks for being God's apple.